This is a Rooster Teeth production. Gloria Ramirez arrived at the emergency room feeling extremely sick and suffering from cervical cancer. Within minutes of treating her, hospital staff also began to feel unwell and some even fainted. After a hospital evacuation and multiple investigations, the true cause of her illness is still unknown to this day. Today, we are going to talk about Gloria Ramirez, also known as the Toxic Woman. This is Red Web. We've got the Toxic Woman. My name is Trevor Collins. With me, as you can expect every week, Alfredo Diaz. hey this sounds so exciting. Mm-hmm. Hit me with the gut check. What are you thinking over here? God, I, uh, I, I'm thinking it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, I think, I don't know. We might have talked about it on this podcast even before, but we're like, you think you're getting sick. Yeah. So you say to yourself, I'm 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 sick. I'm getting sick. And then you kind of cause that Ooh. sickness. I, I feel Man. like that might be one of those things here. I listen, if I had to ride or die by your gut check, I'm just going to say it. I, <laughs> I would go with it. You have a very strong <laughs> gut instinct. Your your instinct for these. I don't know if it's because we've been doing this show for a while, but like you're just in tune with it. That There's there's a little bit of that in the theories section for sure. That's, a, that's off the top of my head. That's all I could think of. <laughs> that's what came to me. No, I like it. Yeah. It's a very interesting case that many people have thought about uh, or heard about, I should say, but uh, myself included. But doing the research, reading through this uh, outline that we have in front of me, there's a lot of like details that I wasn't aware of. And the theories are mostly new to me. Uh, very fascinating with this uh, this case from the 90s. What's really wild is that you're saying it's like, you know, it's unsolved. And there are a lot of medical kind of like mysteries out there, you know, mm-hmm. lots of stuff that go unsolved or, you know, we can't quite explain or we don't have the ability to to cure or we don't fully understand said illness or virus or whatever. But sure, it's it's still a little crazy to me out, you know, that maybe, you know, I'm sure they might have taken a handful of professionals to to have a crack at this type of thing. And everyone's just like, oh, we have no clue. We yeah, have no idea. You know what I mean? Some of our brightest minds in the field just like, ah, you know, shrugging, throwing their hands up. Couldn't figure it out. You know, unless she's rolling around in some uh, mysterious undiscovered elements, you you would think that, you know, you put chemistry together, you figure out some formulas and you're like, boom, science, right? Not here. Yeah, I was about to say the next mystery at that point is how she get your hands on these out, like <laughs> crazy elements that don't hey, exist yet. But she yeah, could I mean, be hanging could just... out with Bob Lazar. I, I don't know. Episode crossover. So, I mean, like kind of like a little like tangent over here. But I mean, I don't know. We've we've been out of like what? Middle school, high school for some time now. I'm not trying at to... least weeks, <laughs> yeah. months, it's been a couple of weeks. But um, I mean, maybe I'm just completely off base with this. But the periodic timetable isn't the same as like 10 years ago, is it? Have, haven't we added new things? Yeah, I mean, it's there's a trickling of new elements. Yeah, like we, we touched on that briefly. Like I said, in the Bob Lazar episode, you know, there's elements in theory. And then there are elements generated in the lab and there are elements found in nature. And and right. those are different stages, I guess, of discovery, you know, as to what's possible. You can say like, sure, this thing has 200 electrons, but that's all theory and it needs yeah. to be substantiated physically. I'll have a kid one day and they'll they'll bring home uh, that, yeah, you know, you know <laughs> they'll hover on home <laughs> the, with the their table. hoverboard and their right. teleports and... <laughs> You say, son, get off of that virtual reality. Unplug. Stop playing on the 15, uh, the 16K resolution TV. Yes, 20. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, wow, this, this timetable has really grown. I did also want to say, this is a total aside. I did want to say, I've, I've been enjoying uh, some of you guys leaving comments, especially on Reddit, who've been pointing out all of the phrases that we say a whole bunch. Oh, no. <laughs> Over the holidays, I, like <laughs> people are having whole conversations, speaking back and forth with Trevorisms and Alfredoisms. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, I... I Hmm. I kind of <laughs> it's like a drinking I fear, game but now. also welcome that that would be a thing <laughs> like after like I don't know maybe a, just a couple of episodes I was like ooh, I like saying tangible a lot <laughs> tangible is a good word man and so is nefarious I might switch it up though I just do control f search replace with sinister how about that <laughs> throw that one in there I opened up a thesaurus today <laughs> okay let's dive into the mystery of Gloria Ramirez aka the toxic woman February 19, 1994, 31-year-old Gloria Ramirez of Riverside, California, was rushed into Riverside General Hospital in an ambulance. She arrived around 8.15 p.m. Paramedics told the emergency room staff that Ramirez was diagnosed with late-stage cervical cancer. They report that she was confused and couldn't answer hospital staff questions, and she exhibited several symptoms, including blood pressure that was dropping very quickly. She had heart palpitations, and on top of that, she had a very uh, abnormally high heart rate. So all so far centered on her heart, but she also had Shane Stokes respiration, which very simply is a type of breathing that can lead to apnea. Uh, shallow breathing, then deep breathing, then stopping breathing. Just very inconsistent, more or less. Mm -hmm. So they brought in respiratory therapist Maureen Welch, and she noted that these symptoms were strange for someone who was so young. As a reminder, she's only 31 years old, so she's kind of like in our age bracket. Uh, which makes this actually very odd because I heard about this first when I was a kid and now I'm about her age. Oh, wow. So to sedate Ramirez and to kind of figure out what was going on, the doctors injected her with a couple of different chemicals, Valium, Midazolam, and Ativan. They forced air into her lungs as well using an Ambu bag. Ramirez did not respond to any of her treatments at this point and the doctors eventually tried to defibrillate. They had to remove Ramirez's clothing in order to do so, and when they did, they saw that her skin was covered in an oily sheen. And this is the key piece of this mystery, the key note that anybody that has heard of this case is, uh, is aware of, that oily sheen. And on top of that, many of the hospital staff also noticed at this time that she smelled or had a smell to her that was described as a fruity garlic, and many believed that it was from her mouth specifically. At this point, nurse Susan Kane drew Ramirez's blood, and when she did, she noticed the smell of ammonia coming from the tube. Welch, who was the respirator therapist, also smelled ammonia in the air, and then Kane passed that tube to the medical resident, Julie Korczynski, and she said she saw manila-colored particles floating about in the sample of Ramirez's blood. She then gave that over to the lead doctor of the emergency room, Dr. Umberto Ochoa, and they said they saw those particles as well. So we have some uh, really interesting symptoms so far. Yeah, and I think the thing I like about this too, and we rarely get this, is just the multiple like confirmations, right? It's like, mm -hmm. here's this like, a weird particle, this weird thing that we're seeing, and then also these, you know, it went up the chain and a bunch of other people saw it and this can be verifying. Right. That's very satisfying to me because, you know, with a lot of our episodes, like, ah, we didn't quite know, you know exactly. what I mean? One person saw it and that's just kind of what we have to go by. Yeah, it's all like anecdotal or it's like he said, she said, or mm -hmm. somebody 
saw something. But yeah, this is a you know this is a documented case. This is Riverside General Hospital. Uh, you know this is the lead doctor of the emergency room, and there's a lot of overlap. You know I got the sample. I smelled this. You smelled this. You're seeing that. Doctor's seeing this. It's all going down. Yeah. Um, so so far they're really confused as to what's going down here, and this is only when it gets stranger. Kane who was the nurse, started to feel lightheaded and she actually fainted. Someone then helped her out of the room via a gurney and Kane was saying that her face was burning, that she had some sort of burning sensation. At that point, or a little bit soon thereafter, I should say, Gorchinsky also started to feel nauseous. So now we have the folks in the room are starting to feel something else going on. Yeah. So Gorchinsky, the medical resident again, she uh, she said she started shaking and she started to experience apnea, which was kind of like where your breathing stops for seconds at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, your breathing gets a little strange. She went to the nurse station to sit down, but she immediately fainted as well. Welch who was still in the room with Ramirez, said she heard someone scream before she herself fainted as well. And when she awoke, she said she couldn't move her arms or legs. So now with three staff members fainting, they decided, okay, something has to be done. And they evacuated the staff and patients from the emergency rooms and nearby areas to treat them elsewhere. Other patients actually were treated in in like the parking lot. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to expose myself a little bit here. Okay. Okay, Well, all right. Big fan. The Anatomy. I'm talking Grey's Anatomy. All right. Oh, Wonderful show. I've talking seen about Grey. Talking about House. <laughs> I've seen like 15 seasons of the show already, <laughs> and uh, there there was definitely a season where something like this happened, and I can't help but think that this it stemmed from like this. Was story. it inspired? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, and I think about this more and more because you know the missus she's going into the profession, just you know she's starting yeah. to become a nurse, and I'm just like, there's so many different things that need to be done in in certain ways and so many different steps that so many things could go wrong you know and there's another side of that it's like all these different chemicals that you're using Mm -hmm. and she's she's taking all these big tests of like you know can't mix this with this or do that at this time and all these interact yeah interactions and counter interactions and i'm just like what if what if something chemical wise you know they open their up or maybe they use you know certain chemicals or things like that it kind of offsets something else or interact mm-hmm. with something else and and here we are and absolutely absolutely especially when they use three different medications to help treat her mm-hmm. you know uh, especially if you don't know what's going on especially if you're starting to see symptoms you know you got the lungs and the heart stuff going on those are as far as the emergency room is concerned, pretty typical symptoms that they're familiar with. Right. Uh, but oily sheens, weird smells, chemical smells. Yeah. Now that's where things start to get a little bit complex and don't want to start poking around. Yeah. Not, not to say that they're on like autopilot or anything like that, sure. but it's just, it's one of those things where like it happens, you see something, you go, these are the signs of this. You know what I mean? Like I've mm-hmm. kind of, I've seen this before. This is all kind of leaning one way. And so you start kind of running with that diagnosis and, yeah, that might have that might have been the thing, you know, that kind of like set this off. Very true. Yeah, that's well, uh, you know, small spoiler alert. We're, we'll actually circle around to something like that in the theory section. Oh, OK. All right. All right. Um, on to stuff here. Yeah. I mean, you're, I'm telling you, man, you gut check. Gut check's good. But the thing is, like, you know, you can know a lot about the medical industry field, I should say, uh, all the interactions of things that you'd expect. You could just never know what people can get themselves into. People mm-hmm. are like babies and babies are like dogs and they just get into stuff. <laughs> I don't know why I had the, the middle step of babies, but <laughs> people are like babies and babies are like dogs. <laughs> 
we just be getting into we stuff. We could have just sent people <laughs> like dogs. <laughs> we gotta like step our way into dog form. We can't uh, just yeah. go from adult to dog. We gotta go adult baby dog. <laughs> well, you know, you were with me. You're with me. You got the analogy. People be getting yeah, into dude. stuff. <laughs> and you just don't know, man. Yeah. There's all sorts of pseudoscience out there and chemistry that comes out to say they propose to solve this, that, and the other. So you don't know what kind of homeopathy, homegrown, homebrew uh, things, treatments that people might be trying. Right. To me, it, I don't know. I'm a simple man. I say if, if they think it's this individual, maybe isolate them and uh, or take them to a separate facility to treat them if, if it's safe for that person. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't know that at this point, but... You know, if it's safe to treat other people out in the in the parking lot, then sure, go for it. I'm just right. It just seems uh, extreme, but hey, protect them anyway. They tried again to defibrillate her and to use CPR on her to resuscitate because she's in and out at this point, and unfortunately, they had no success. And 35 minutes after her arrival, around 8:50 p.m., Ramirez was pronounced dead. Here, here's a tricky question, and this might be one we toss over to to Christian, but like, yeah. Like, do we know what her profession was or, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe like the husband's profession or something like that. Yeah. Like there might be some tells there. Right. Like maybe, uh, you know, and once again, I love overlapping with the episodes, but, you know, Dyatlov Pass, one of the individuals there, keyword individuals, came forward and they had, you know, radiation on their clothes, but it could have been from one of their jobs. Right. Yeah. Or it could have been something more sinister. Huh? Nefarious. (laughs) Oh, oh, there Uh, we go. Hey, I dropped it. I dropped it. Um, but you know, like, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Kristen, do you, do you know, or did Jillian happen to see anything about that? From what we're reading, looks like she was just a housewife. And the husband doesn't have any... Nothing listed for him, now. Nothing listed, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. But yeah, unfortunately, 35 minutes after her arrival, Ramirez was pronounced dead, and, uh, and the investigation continued. But before we dive into the further searchings of, uh, or the investigation and how that kind of unfolded, or, you know, what might have come from that, I want to kind of talk more about these odd symptoms that the rest of the hospital staff are experiencing and, and how those kind of proliferated throughout the group. So Sally Balderas, she helped move the body from this room to another location. And after doing so, she also said she was feeling a burning sensation and she started vomiting. And so at this point, we have more and more of the emergency room staff starting to experience similar symptoms as one another. This burning, this vomiting, this nausea, some fainting. Uh, And following the arrival of Gloria Ramirez, ultimately 23 out of 37 total people working the Riverside General Hospital emergency room experienced similar symptoms. That's a lot of people. That is a... 23 out of 37. Yeah, I know. I was talking earlier about people just like, oh, you know, they're they're thinking that they're sick, so they become sick. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That's a a lot of people to be like, I think I'm getting sick. It is a lot. I'm sick. And then, oh my God, you're sick. I might be getting sick. I'm now sick. Like, that's a lot of people to to ride that chain. It's like 60% or something. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, hospital staff and evacuated patients continued to be treated on the outside until they could determine, you know, what was going down here. The cause of this illness, the cause of what's at the bottom of all this. Yeah. And out of fear of contact with the with something toxic, some chemical that's unknown, staff with symptoms removed their clothes and put them into plastic bags. This would also help for any future investigation. Oh yeah. Five of them ultimately ended up staying in the hospital overnight. 
Balderas, for example, was actually in the hospital for 10 more days and also experienced apnea. Gorchinsky was the one who was most affected, having stayed in intensive care for two whole weeks. Uh, they showed signs of avascular necrosis, which is very simply the death of bone tissue due to lack of blood supply. What? Now you have actual symptoms showing up outside of obviously like fainting and, and what people are saying they're feeling. You have measurable decay of living bone tissue. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but are some of these symptoms not what the original person was experiencing? Like patient? So up until this point, a lot of the symptoms are similar from what we could tell. Right. This avascular necrosis, I don't believe is something that they found in the autopsies for Ramirez. The lightheadedness and nausea and burning are very hard to determine because as I mentioned earlier, the ambulance staff was saying that she wasn't really responding to questions very well and she kind of went under by the time she was in. She was sedated, but then also in and out, I believe. She, she had to be resuscitated. So it's very hard to say, but on the surface, it feels like like the apnea part, the breathing part is very much uh, similar to what she was seeming to experience. Right. And if there is this lack of blood flow causing this bone tissue necrosis, that relates back to Ramirez's heart issues that she was having. So to me, and I'm not a doctor clearly, but to mm -hmm. me, there is a pretty heavy overlap in some of the symptoms but it isn't outright confirmed. Yes, they both had check off nausea, check off lightheadedness. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a complete one for one. I mean, for the most part, it seemed like mm -hmm. it was, but it, it started to seem from what you were saying that it started drifting. There's a little extra, yeah. Away a little bit. Yeah, uh, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots, but on paper, nothing was outwardly said like, boom, these, these are the same symptoms across the board. Got it. What really was similar about the symptoms were all of the hospital staff members who were experiencing stuff. Right. Those tended to be the same outside of Gorchinsky, who did in fact have further symptoms like the necrosis and, and stuff like that. In fact, after her two week of intensive care stay there, she had to use crutches for many months afterward. And ultimately she suffered from hepatitis, as well as pancreatitis. Oh. So she really uh, did not have a good time coming out of this. Um, you know, she was truly the most affected by this. And, you know, you have to wonder, is she an outlier? Uh, did this affect her more intensely? Or uh, were other variables in play that then got attributed to this case? It's very hard to say. Yeah, I, th I think one of the things that's, you know, that's that's tough about like medical mysteries like this is that there's so many different variables, mm -hmm. different people with, you know, different genetic coding and structure and different health issues or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, man, the variables are vast. Absolutely. I mean, it really is. Something as simple as allergies can change the game. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just like some people are allergic to certain antibiotics. Yep. Some people are allergic to uh, certain types of rubber, like gloves, uh, it, latex, for example. It's just, yeah. it's wild. Makes in like medications that they're taking. Or any drugs that they might be using recreationally or otherwise. Anything that might not be documented. Mm -hmm. It's all crazy. It's all very complex. And uh, I respect the medical industry immensely <laughs> for what they have to do. Yep. Yes, very much so. But at this point, at 11 p.m., the hazardous materials team arrives at the hospital and they started searching for toxic materials or perhaps gas, but ultimately found nothing. The Riverside coroner's office performed an autopsy, 
of course, as you would imagine. Uh, they wore hazmat suits while they did that, and they performed that autopsy in a sealed chamber just in case any sort of toxic materials were to get into the air. Yeah, play it smart. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, this was so thorough that they even tested the air from her body bag uh, in order to see, hey, is there is there anything happening mm -hmm. uh, as even if it's got like a, a small PPM, right? Parts per million. Very, very uh, right. sparse at this point, because if it was concentrated when she first arrived, whatever that material is, if it dispersed over time, it starts to become harder to detect, etc. Uh, but they found nothing. It's very satisfying to hear that. And of course, this is like not the best comparison, but just like I've seen so many movies where it's just like someone, you know, people not taking proper measures or not taking things mm -hmm. seriously. And obviously that happens in the real world, too, as well. But like to see, sure, to see just to hear this. I don't know. I'm very it's very satisfying right now to just sit there and go, oh, OK, they they took this really seriously. Right. It's not a mystery out of negligence. It's a mystery out of holy crap, we did our best. What happened to this poor woman? Yeah, and we've had a couple of mysteries where just, you know, the cops, I mean, I forgot which mystery it was, but just recently enough, or, you know, the cops kind of fiddled around with stuff, or was it the... Oh, yeah. The husband, right? Or the police department allowed the husband to kind of facilitate the investigation. Yeah, why am I blanking? It was the pilot and his son. That was the Lindbergh kidnapping. Lindbergh, Lindbergh, right. there you go. And it was just like, what? Why? You know, and here they're just like, no, we're going to yeah. really like try and cement everything down and, and mm -hmm. figure this out. I like that. Lock it down, man. Uh, but yeah, they ultimately found nothing out of the ordinary and they in fact sent samples out so they could try to enlist as much help as possible to figure out what was going on here. The cause of death was said to be kidney failure that was caused by the cervical cancer, but they could not find a cause for the illnesses experienced by the staff. So we feel like we might have a strong direction for Ramirez, but now the continued mystery is what's going on with the staff. Right. And ultimately, newspapers that picked up this story uh, started calling Ramirez the toxic lady from all of the fallout that was happening and the kind of assumption that there was some sort of toxic chemical. Not like a CW fan or something on the online forums. Who's... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not to put CW on blast. That was just the first fandom that came to mind. But yeah, you know, not like the internet version of Toxic, as you might think these days. But ultimately, yeah, so it, it's been a, a few months at this point. You know, they couldn't figure anything out. And two months later, after her death, Gloria Ramirez was finally released back to her family. Her family then hired a private pathologist to perform their own autopsy to try to, again, figure out what happened to this case. I love, again, I mean, I'll say it again. I'm loving how everybody, different parties, different POVs mm -hmm. are being so thorough with this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, but the unfortunate part here is that, you know, it's been so long since her death that many of her organs were, were missing from previous autopsies. Oh, her body, obviously, by natural means, was severely decomposing. Yeah. Uh, but really, like, a lot of the leftover organs that were left um, were contaminated by fecal matter, which means, sure, maybe they tried to cover all their bases, but it it does feel a little bit like there's some negligence in play here. Yeah. I also don't know how many autopsies she went under to say, you know, was it a negligent single autopsy? Was right. it that, you know, too many people were trying to figure this out? It's hard to say, but... Two weeks after her release to her family, she was then buried. Uh, she had a funeral, and that was on April 20th of 1994. That concludes the story of Gloria Ramirez and the hospital staff and everything that we know factually about the case. So moving on to theories, 
I'm gonna start with a couple smaller theories that aren't really substantiated, but they are kind of out there. They're in the zeitgeist. They're in the conversation space of this mystery, and they have been for some time. And I'm just gonna kind of gloss over this first one. The first mini theory is that Ramirez's symptoms were caused by alien abduction. Now, let's be real. They have nothing else to go off of. Yeah. I could have simply said myself that this was the, the result of a zombie bite and an outbreak was incoming. Right. Maybe she was a bite hider. I don't know. But you can't just throw things out like that and go, well, I don't know. Trying to explain the unexplained with something that's even hard to explain. Right. Right. You can't backpedal into something that's more and more unknown until you think you got it. But. The other slightly more interesting mini theory for this one is that there was some sort of chemical poisoning that could have happened because, for example, tellurium and arsenic poisoning both caused the breath to have a bit of a garlic scent to them. However, outside of this, there is no evidence in the autopsies or anything like that. It is just a fan theory that is specifically latching onto that fruity garlic fact, but mm -hmm. at least they're trying to latch it onto something here. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, opposed to the whole alien thing. Never throw out an alien with the bathwater. You just Look, never know when an alien's right around the corner. I'm gonna be real with you. Okay, I don't, I don't think <laughs> that we are the only, like, you know what I mean, intelligent <laughs> beings in the entire universe. I, I, I believe that they are aliens out there somewhere. Oh, I don't I, mathematically you know like, certain. Right? Like, mathematically, it doesn't add up. That somewhere, we're just, some we're the, galaxy has right? some life somewhere. I mean, especially if we're looking at Venus and there's some particulates, maybe some bacteria yeah. in there, and you got it's, Europa. Listen, yeah, there's, it's possible. There's, there's life forms out there somewhere with some scale of intelligence. Now, do I believe that aliens took this one single person and then did that? Ah, what? Coated her up in some sort of oily basting. Maybe like sauteed her with a, like a, some onion, I say sauteed, but like basted her with some like garlic and fruit, like, and, and some like olive oil. Like, pff, I, I don't know what the, what they're after yeah, here, but I they're marinating human beings. <laughs> there it here. is. There's the word, <laughs> but you just killed me with the, listen, I'm going to be real for a second. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think. It's little gray aliens. No, <laughs> like, not at all. Not I'm one just bit. Like, yeah, you, you treated it so delicately, so real. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I would absolutely agree with you on that one. Hey everybody, Trevor here as usual. And can I just say before we get into business, thank you all so much for continuing to share the podcast. We see it growing every week and we greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much for sharing it with other mystery enthusiasts uh, or mystery enthusiasts. Both mysteries and mysteries are all good here. Now, before we get really into the business, I just want to say we are working on that Red Web Task Force design. We have a badge, aka like a little pin coming. We have some merch around the task force coming. It's all about the lead times, baby. You know, we still have uh, logistics concerns to dodge around. So thank you guys so much for reaching out with your enthusiasm around those things they are on the way and uh, and we'll let you know here on the podcast when they're available hopefully within the next couple weeks but again we'll let you know things is crazy these days you know boats and stuff man the world am i right but anyway let's talk about some sponsor stuff huh and, and this one's a really cool one and, and i'm being honest they didn't tell me to say that this is something that's been in my sphere for a little bit here but today's episode of red web is brought to you by shutter 
Shudder is the streaming service with the best selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural movies, series, and originals. From Hollywood favorites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new genre films you won't find anywhere else. Streaming uncut and commercial-free right to your favorite devices. You can stream great thrillers, horrors, and suspense for merely $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. That's in dollars. Convert accordingly. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. So if you're a thrill fan, if you like those spooky scares uh, like I do, this is a great service. Uh, A couple movies that I would recommend that you check out that are on that service would be like Host or Underwater or Beach House. There's so many fantastic series on there. Those are just some of the movies that they have available for you. Uh, But it really is a good place for horror fans, thriller fans, you know, everything in between. Uh, And if you like this podcast, I'm sure you're going to like that service. So get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Color Out of Space, Host, which I mentioned earlier, and The Mortuary Collections, plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit creep show TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. So you can try Shudder today for free for 30 whole days by going to Shudder.com. That's S. H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code REDWEB to let them know we sent you. Support the show. Enjoy some content all at the same time. Thank you, Shudder, for sponsoring today's episode. But that leads us into the the substantial, the big theories here that try to latch on to more of what's going on here to try to answer the question. The first main theory being that this was a case of mass hysteria. The Riverside County Health contacted the California Department of Health and Human Services and scientists, doctors Ana Maria Osorio and Kirsten Waller investigated the situation. Okay, they they interviewed 34 of the staff members that were there that night. They also tested their blood. Most of them experienced the same symptoms with no apparent cause outside of potentially their exposure to Ramirez. And only a few people were close enough to Ramirez to really get any exposure to a potential toxin in the air or to come in contact with her. So we have we have the situation where there's people experiencing symptoms down the hall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they start to go, well, hold on a second. I understand why she got it because she was, you know, she was there. She took a blood sample. She was immediately smelling things. But how are you getting something and maybe you're getting from her like secondhand? I, like, I don't know. But what's very interesting here is that the paramedics, the, I, I believe these are the, the ones in the ambulance, had no symptoms. I mean, these folks are in a small confined uh. area. Yeah. With, with her on the way to the hospital and we're talking with her uh, or at least attempting to and they didn't have any symptoms. And what's interesting here, now a precursor here, both scientists are women, uh, but the scientists here, or at least the ones we're referring to, mm-hmm. but the scientists pointed out at the time that the symptoms were mostly with women or maybe even exclusively with women. And I'm not sure if they're, if they're trying to connect some dots or if that's just an observation, but it's uh, if you were to say statistically, on the whole, women do tend to be believers of the extra natural, the supernatural, more so than men. And so they might be more inclined to, as this theory states, kind of right. fall prey to the uh, placebo effect of this, the placebo symptoms of what was going That's, on. Hmm. 
Okay. But yeah, it, and what's really interesting on this too, and this is just like a kind of a personal anecdote, you know, to the audience, Alfredo and I work on a team called Achievement Hunter at, at Rooster Teeth, but one of the shows that we've recorded and done is, is a ghost hunting show called Haunter. Uh, you can find that on roosterteeth.com if you're so inclined. But in one of those episodes, and you can go find this, I wasn't in, in this particular one, but a coworker of ours named Jeremy was scratched on the back and had visible scratches on their back underneath a vest that was tightly worn. Yeah, it was a tactical vest. Yeah, and and he was like, oh my God, my back is hurting. They took that off, they, they filmed it, and they showed these scratch marks on his back. And the reason why I bring this up is because it wasn't until this very moment that half of the crew also started saying that they were experiencing scratches, that they were being pushed, that they wanted to get off the shoot. And so that is another kind of very close to us kind of example of how, you know, people believing in something or people seeing something mysterious can suddenly be affected by it, whether it's real or not, or whether there is something actually there or not. It's a, it's a really fascinating phenomenon. Right. I mean, like a little bit of that, just like the other night where I was just like, I was just, you know, drifting off to sleep and I was like, oh, I'm really comfortable right now. I hope I don't feel like itchy, like, you know, <laughs> itchy on my thigh or like, you know, need to scratch my mm -hmm. face or anything like that. And then I was like, oh, great. Now my nose is itchy and I had to scratch it. Right. Right. And I kind of just like brought that upon myself. Now everyone's nose is itchy. It's a weird, I would like to look into like <laughs> theories and the science behind that. Yeah, it's a really, what I love about this show is that there's a very fascinating overlap, a very heavy overlap, if I do say so, uh, between the the kind of mysteries we discuss, but also the sociology, the philosophy. Or the, yeah, the mentality behind it, all of yeah, it. Yeah, what's going on in the, in the public realm that kind of like, in, I guess we kind of touched on this with Mothman as well. You know, people started experiencing more things as the stories kicked up. And, and so that made more stories and that made more people seeing things. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really fascinating how that, how that works. And there are many studies that discuss the placebo effect just in regards to medicine or people dieting by thinking about working out and not actually working out and getting a margin of those results, but better than nothing. It's, it's really, it's very interesting. Uh, the placebo effect is powerful. That is fascinating. Yeah. So some people would work out. I'm just super tangent. Some people would work out. Some people would think about working out for like an hour and then some people would just live their life. And those people in the middle kind of fell in the middle. It was interesting. Uh, but yeah, th so the scientists decided that this was a case of mass hysteria caused by the initial garlic smell, something that was true and substantial that they latched onto, that one of the nurses had some symptoms to for, for whatever reason, and that it kind of spread from there out. Uh, the only wrinkle, and we'll kind of get to it in just a second, but the only wrinkle in this uh, idea comes in the lawsuit that Gorchinsky and Welch filed. You know, they had experienced strange smells before in the hospital, they said. As medical staff, they had had these strange smells before. And the wrinkle comes from Gorchinsky themselves, who had that avascular necrosis, uh, which, you know, is very hard to, I don't know, achieve or to experience if it's something that's just mass hysteria. Right. Also, those smells, it doesn't really go one way or the other on the mass hysteria thing, but it is interesting that they were saying, hey, we have experienced smells before mm -hmm. as a medical staff. So there might be more there. And the next couple theories kind of dive into that direction a little bit more. The next theory is that Ramirez experienced a DMSO overdose. Now, just very briefly, that's dimethyl sulfoxide, and uh, we'll dive into that in just a second. But samples from Ramirez's autopsy were sent to Livermore National Laboratory. 
They determined that her cause of death and the following sickness of the staff was caused by an overdose of DMSO. They found an excess of dimethyl sulfone, which is DMSO2, in Ramirez's blood. Normally, this is harmless, but it might be an excess in Ramirez's body due to her kidney failure. Okay, as you recall, she had kidney issues due to right. her cervical cancer. Yeah. And so if she had this increased toxin in her blood that wasn't being able to be filtered out, that's kind of where they were going with this. Oh. And this starts by the idea that maybe Ramirez was self-medicating with a gel, some form of DMSO, kind of as an anti-inflammatory, which could line up with the fact that, you know, she had cervical cancer, cancer treatments can be very expensive, cost prohibitive mm. even. Right. And so maybe she was in fact seeking alternative sources for relief. And so she turned to some sort of gel form of this DMSO, which as you, as you recall, there's DMSO and then DMSO2. And so very simple, I'll, I'll simplify it for you. The chemistry there is, you know, this, this gel, if it interacts with oxygen in the air, it can create this uh, dimethyl sulfone, which can be toxic in large doses, uh, which so it almost seems like they're coming up with the theory that there was a stacking effect, you know, just an, a yeah. series of unfortunate events. Dude, I was I was already, you know what I mean. This mm -hmm. is this was already in, kind of in line with my thoughts and whatnot. And uh, right. I'm gonna say what I guess something I say a handful of times in these episodes. I'll subscribe to that theory. Uh, I subscribe. <laughs> so far, so good. Um, and it only seems to get stronger from here, at least for the time being. But you know, users of DMSO have said that it does in fact taste like garlic and it would have caused that, you know, sheen on her skin with that unique smell. So if she did have that gel on her torso, there you go. It's all adding up for me. Yeah, and Livermore Labs theorized that when the oxygen administered with, so like obviously the hospital gave her oxygen for breathing, et cetera, they gave you pure oxygen, not like in the air, mm -hmm. which is mostly nitrogen. They administered that oxygen. It could have mixed with the present DMSO on her body. Yeah. and on her skin and with her blockage in her kidneys and ultimately oversaturated the chemical and, and brought it to a higher level. So in order to test that, to test maybe, hey, did this excess of oxygen change it? Uh, was there an interaction here? They, they tested it by combining oxygen once again with this DMSO and yeah, it formed DMSO2 and formed it in crystalline form. And, uh, and those could have been the particles that were found in the blood. So, so far so good, right? They're, they're actually doing tests, yeah. but at this point, this is where the wrinkle kind of starts to come in um, because they start theorizing beyond this. Uh, they started theorizing that perhaps not only was the oxygen getting involved, but the defibrillator was adding to the reaction in some way. They didn't test this part. Uh, this is just theory, but they said that maybe by getting the defibrillator involved, it could have reacted even further with the sulfate already present and created uh, DMSO4 uh, instead of DMSO2. Now, DMSO4 is extremely toxic, and if it was present, it could have been the thing that caused all the symptoms from the hospital staff. Uh, you know, it has symptoms like paralysis, convulsions, organ damage, and delirium. Um, but unfortunately, you know, this is where the lab comes forward and says, you know, this is just theory. We didn't test this part. Uh, and that's what makes some people waffle just a little bit on this particular theory. But I believe Got it. Um, that this is this is the most likely theory that this I think that this gets the closest to answering everything. Yeah, this theory holds the most weight for me, mm -hmm. to be honest. I don't know. It's 
it's got a lot of like what I would want to see. I don't know, in a, in a theory, right? Where it's just like they kind of tested things out. There's some science behind it. Uh, they're trying to reenact certain thing, aspects of it. Um, a lot of stuff we don't usually get during this podcast, which is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. All the testing, all the the overlapping and uh, figuring out of things um, or confirming of things. I, I really like that part, uh, which honestly kind of makes the mystery even more enticing just because... You know, they did do, do so much legwork to try to figure things out. But yeah. um, in closing on this theory, they the, the lab is saying, hey, you know, someone, <laughs> I don't know why not them, but they said, hey, someone should look into this last part. Uh, many scientists ultimately say that, hey, this is impossible. Some say, hey, this is the most likely situation that happened here. Mm-hmm. But the final thing worth noting regarding this particular theory is that Gloria Ramirez's family themselves actually denies that she was using DMSO. So that's the biggest wrinkle here, is that if DMSO is not involved in any way, it really, really undoes yeah. this whole theory. Interesting. But I don't know what medication my mom's taken. I don't know what lotions my dad's smothering on himself. Like, Yeah, right? Like, So there's, there, there's room here. But that said, there are other theories here that, that do kind of get close to me. I mean, also, like, you know, family members... They're very close to this person. Maybe mm-hmm. there are some legal issues there if, you know, that they didn't disclose that she was oh. taking certain medications and a lot of people got sick and they don't want to put this on their, their loved one. Right. And no, that could come into play. Yeah, don't don't sue the Ramirez family just because, you know, Gloria's DMSO got everyone sick. Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that, that concludes the DMSO theory uh, and a little bit of a chemistry aside there. But uh, two more theories here that I think get at least close to the level of uh, interest that this one brings. Maybe not all the way there, though. The next theory is that methylamine was in play. You know, some folks theorize that because Riverside County had a lot of drug trafficking, that Ramirez might have overdosed on methylamine. And to provide more detail before I go any further on the drug trafficking piece here, it is worth noting that Riverside County is America's largest drug trafficking distribution center. In fact, it was also the site of the largest meth bust in U.S. history. So this is, oh man. See, now we're adding more weight to the whole, like, Mm -hmm. something nefarious is happening. Something sinister is going down. Yeah, you know, maybe some doctors out here, something on the side, a little business. That's not crazy. It's not crazy at all. And methylamine is, in fact, a precursor to methamphetamines, which is obviously a drug. It's meth. It has an ammonia smell, and uh, Livermore Labs that we discussed earlier also found a lot of nicotinamide in Ramirez's blood, and I won't pretend to know what that is, but it's a form of vitamin B3, as my notes say here. (laughs) It's a dietary supplement. Uh, Ultimately, when combined with meth, if that's what was going on here, can create a sense of euphoria, but it's something odd that she would have been taking if she was taking it. Uh, Again, this is all theory. Um, But a man by the name of Brian Andresen, who was then director of the Forensic Science Center at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, said that it was an unusual compound for someone as sick as Ramirez to take. Uh, That this is likely not something that she was ingesting or probably involved with, which is where the theory really starts to expand and get a little bit more conspiratorial, but in a believable way, in my opinion. Okay. And, And it's not so much on Ramirez's side that this methylamine was in play, but in fact on the hospital's side, or some of the staff members' side, 
that there was some situation where the staff was involved in the drug smuggling. <laughs> yeah, like by sneaking methylamine in via IV bags. Uh, so that way, you know, they could either sell it or so meth could be cooked, I guess, at the hospital or I don't really know that far. But the idea here is that methylamine could answer a lot of the question marks in play here, especially if it was in fact in an IV bag when being smuggled and a nurse that had that was none the wiser grabbed this IV bag in order to thinking it was saline or something else. Uh -huh. and, in, in, and it started to inject into Ramirez's body that would really start to answer why when they pulled a blood sample that it smelled of ammonia. It could answer why maybe there was particulates in her blood that didn't belong there. Uh, and it really obviously could have exacerbated the issues that she was already facing on the way in. So that's is like it's 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 a relatively shallow theory. But to me, especially in the early 90s, mm -hmm. uh, especially with this area having issues with trafficking, it's a possibility. I yeah, it's say. not far fetched, right? It's like, not you far fetched. Can, you, like you can kind of like dig into this a little bit you mm -hmm. can kind of you can kind of like lean into it going okay like if this is something that was happening in the area and this is a known thing like obviously like yeah people who work in the medical profession have access to these things right. like this isn't crazy it's it's not out of the question it's not aliens okay <laughs> you know maybe a doctor was trying to get a hustle on the side with a little alien greeting friend who was selling him some methylene <laughs> from from mars now you're okay. just tying it all together <laughs> the alien is so, like what <laughs> he's the mastermind behind all of this man you know there's a possibility here it's interesting again it approaches the level of realism that that the uh previous theory does but i i don't think um Again, I don't know if the family is lying or not. I subscribe to the DMSO thing so far. It does feel like the strongest theory to lean on. I agree. But that's where I kind of come to the last theory, where Welch and Gorchinsky had that lawsuit, and they, in just one sentence there, just one fact about that lawsuit, saying that they had experienced strange smells before as medical staff. Uh, that's where, you know, you start to question, hey, is there something going on at the hospital uh, that isn't up to code? Uh, whether it's accidental or negligence or an oversight, mm. you know, is there something happening that, you know, exacerbated, again, Ramirez's condition? Yeah, because it's previously reported. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't something that like, oh, this whole incident happened and then people are like, well, I've been smelling weird stuff for weeks. Yeah, uh, but Ramirez's family believes that if Gloria had not been at that specific emergency room, she would not have died because of uh, the Riverside General Hospital's unsafe conditions. So specifically in their quote, they say in that emergency room at that hospital. Now, of course, it might be a more of an emotional reaction, but if you go back a few years in 1991, hospital staff were actually exposed to a toxic gas. And then in 1993, I think that's just a year prior, uh, sewer gas was found in the emergency room during an inspection. Oh, God. So, you know, yeah, there starts to be a bit of a history here with, um, well, with things that shouldn't be in an ER. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let alone gases and toxicities and, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm completely off base with this, but I would like to, th I, don't know, I, I believe that, you know, the hospitals are very well funded. They have a lot of money, make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So for something like that, something that's so absurd uh, to be out of out of code uh, mm -hmm. is wild. Yeah, yeah, it feels like someone's scraping off the top, uh, cutting cutting budgets, <laughs> pocketing Ooh, it. Scraping you know. off the top. 
in little bit of icing for themselves. The aliens come all the way to oh, Riverside, California again. just to scrape off the top, man. Like, get the heck up out of here. Go you, steal from the Martians. You have reached a point where you are <laughs> hell-bent on just bringing aliens into everything now. They're running the damn hospital. It wasn't me. This was a theory. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you know it's, it's substantial. You're giving this theory way too much weight. <laughs> Absolutely. But what's also interesting here is that Dan Cupido, the deputy coroner who initially examined her body, said that her death was not of natural causes, only to later change his mind. And that's where I believe it came down to it being kidney failure. Uh, but yeah, initially, they're saying this wasn't natural. Uh, you know, this wasn't uh, an expiration of, you know, the human organs due to illness, to, to cancer, that something else was happening here. But he didn't really expand upon that. One other person investigating Gloria's death, Stephanie Albright, ended her life one month after starting the investigation, unfortunately, uh, and believed by Cupido to be under a lot of pressure. And so why would there be this pressure in place if there wasn't something more nefarious yeah, going on? Some bad things. Uh, it really just starts to raise some questions as to the... The ongoings of this hospital, you know, the administration here, not so much the nurses or doctors, you know, the people in the boots on the ground, but, you know, the staff that's running this place, you know, if, if there's enough pressure coming from this case to drive one to end their own life, it's Oof. really makes you wonder what, what really is happening here. Yeah. Like who's running this and what, what are their mm -hmm. like priorities? Yeah. And, uh, and on top of that, we've referenced now several times this syringe this blood sample that had these manila colored particles floating around it and in the back of my mind i'm always going well where is that uh why can't we compare these crystals that this lab made and the colors there to the to the sample yeah. and the colors of those crystals well conveniently this syringe was thrown out uh... you know you would throw away syringes as a biohazard and but you have this blood sample where did that go and, and why can't we dig that up to, you know, we, so much was done cleanly here, as you, as you had, yeah. you know, touched on. So much was done right, it feels like, that I feel like we should have some sort of answer, especially if we have a blood sample, for goodness sake. But no, it's a MIA. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, uh, the Ramirez family does believe that the county is trying to cover up, you know, the unsafe conditions at this hospital uh, for protection of themselves or protection of the hospital from being closed down, whether it was for the greater good or for a monetary standpoint or someone being in someone's pockets. I don't know. Um, but the family firmly believes that there is something else happening here and that it's being covered up. And that is the origin of the mystery. Uh, is that the is that the truth was just hidden, yeah. and so we have enough of the truth to right. go, hey, what's going on here? But not enough to go, it's this. Maggie Ramirez, actually, Gloria's sister, said, "quote I don't know what the county is afraid of, but we want answers," and I don't blame her. No, not at all. I w I would as well. It just seems like there's so many like little. Oh man, it's crazy how like this went from being something to me i was like this is so solid you know what i mean everyone's investigating things and like they're taking all the proper procedures and whatnot and mm -hmm. and now we have all these like weird little cracks yep like why didn't you do this or why wasn't why this step fall through it really it's crazy how they could just change like that <laughs> yeah 
And it really, this, this point in particular actually really shines a different light on the idea that the family is denying that she was doing or taking or using some sort of DMSO supplement mm -hmm. or gel or something like that. And, you know, now you have two parties, one saying, no, here's the solution. It's this, it's this, or it theoretically could be. And then you have the other party being the family saying, hold on a second. No, she never used that. So what's going on? We want answers. That's not the answer. What, what's happened here? And ultimately, they did sue the hospital for malpractice, uh, though I'm not exactly sure. Christian, maybe we, we know off the notes, but I don't know how that resulted. We do. In 1998, Riverside County agreed to settle for $350,000. Years Whoa. later, for the for the low, low price of of life, $350,000. You know, it feels like maybe there's a combination of things going on here. Um, as, as I always like to do, I feel like after reading a couple different strong theories, it always feels like you can you can kind of connect them in a way. Mm -hmm. The DMSO thing really does feel like a strong theory. But, you know, if you take the family's word for it, and, and I'm inclined to do so, it, you know, it, it doesn't feel right, especially if they're saying, no, I don't, she wasn't doing anything like that. She wasn't having a gel like that. Right. It's not like it's a drug or anything, but it was just a, a home remedy for, as an anti-inflammatory. So it's not like there's anything wrong with it, but you know, if they're vehemently saying, nah, that's not it, then, you know, my eyebrows raise a little yeah. bit. This, this got really sketch real fast at the end, out of nowhere. Yeah, man. Whew. This just reminds me, I need to get a primary care physician. <laughs> like I need to, I need to have a doctor I know and trust. <laughs> so I don't roll up into a room, yeah. get stuck with a couple things and wind up, you know, a garlic pile, you know, of, of mystery. Yeah. Wouldn't want to be that. But this, this was really, really interesting. I, as I mentioned, I had, I had heard this case before, but uh, never really dove into all the details of the theories mm -hmm. and it's just, again, as always, it's always so um, frustrating just how close you feel like you're getting to somewhere right? Uh, before just kind of ending with a question mark. Oh, man. Why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's man. Fun, well, though. the task force, you know, we, we close another we close another case, unfortunately, remaining unsolved. But yeah, if you guys enjoy this, make sure to hit us up. Uh, on iTunes, review us if you will. You know that five star system. We appreciate it. Uh, if you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, you can always just share by way of uh, sharing with a friend who you think is interested in unsolved mysteries. You know this is please do. This is the best way to help our show out. We also have merch at store.roosterteeth.com. With more to come. You guys have really been loving the task force stuff. I've been working with our merch team uh, as well as Fredo to figure out what the task force badge is going to look like. We want to get some sort of red web investigator package mm -hmm. going on. But yeah, it's man, the show's just moving on into its uh, into its second year. Right. I mean, not like we've been around for a year, but it's like. You know, the next year. It's 2021 now. A new horizon of mysteries. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We will see you all next Monday at this time, nice and early, 3 a.m., 2 a.m., what is it? <laughs> <laughs> On Monday for another mystery. We'll see you then.